0: Eternal God, our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for blessing us one more time in this most sacred and holy space. Oh God, we sense your presence in here today. And God, we thank you the Bible declares that the Holy Spirit dwells on the inside of us. Thank you, God, for manifesting your presence. For Lord, we, won't, we don't want to be anywhere. Your presence is not there. God, we ask that you'll show up in the proclamation of your word. Oh God, without you, I can do nothing. But God, with you, all things are possible. Oh, Lord, I decrease in order that you might increase. Oh, God, I pray that you'll have your way in this earthen vessel. In Jesus' precious name, let every heart say amen. Union Wesley, I want to call your attention back to a portion of scripture that was read for your hearing. From the Old Testament, Nehemiah chapter 2. I just want to read verses 4 and 5 one more time in the NIV uh, translation. Nehemiah chapter 2 verses 4 and 5. It says this beginning at verse 4. Then or the king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to God, to the God of heaven, and I answered the king. If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I might rebuild it. Amen. Union Weston. I got a simple thought for you this morning. Again, um, it's it's not anything uh, deep, but it's a simple thought. Uh, Sometimes I believe that, big word y'all, that the profundity is in the simplicity. So you don't always have to be deep uh, in order to be profound. So just a simple word and the simple word uh, is a statement do something about it do something about it now. Would you say that with me? Do something about it. Come on, let's say it better than that. Do something about it. you see a lot of folk do a lot of talking. I want to talk today about do something about it. Again, don't, don't, don't just talk about it. Nudge your neighbor and tell them, do something about it. Amen. Come on, let's, let's go to work. Wesley, You know, I can't talk about any other community, but the community in which I was reared and I was raised. So hear me, I can't talk about the Jewish community, though I respect Jewish people. I was not raised in a Jewish community. I can't talk about the Caucasian community because I was not raised in the Caucasian community. I cannot talk about the Hispanic community. Hear me, I respect them all but, but I was not raised in a Hispanic community. Hear me this morning. I was raised And you were raised in the black community and when I think about the community that I was raised in there are some notable there are some distinguishing attributes about the black community that I was raised in that if I'm honest with you I don't see a whole lot of it today So can I just talk just for a moment about the community that I was raised in? The black community that I was raised in was a hard-working community. Hear me, somebody. The black community that I was raised in was not a lazy community. Daddies did not sit home playing video games. Hear me. Wives did not go to work to bring home the bacon and to fry it up in a pan. <laughs> Hear me, the black community that I came from was a community of hardworking men and hardworking women. Do I have a witness in here today? You came from a household where somebody got up every day and they went to work so that they could put a roof over your head, clothes on your back, and shoes on your feet. Food on your table because somebody was a hard worker. Can I be honest with you, Union Wesley? The black community I came from was a neighborly community it was listen if you needed some sugar you can go next door to your neighbor and ask them for a cup of sugar and they'll give you a cup of sugar if you needed flour they would give you flour if if you were going to be gone you could tell your neighbor and your neighbor would watch out for your house can we be honest today? Listen, the black community I remember, you could leave your door to your car or your house unlocked and hear me, nobody would come in tearing the door down to take something that they did not work to get. Amen. Amen. I'm talking about the black community that I came from. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Where you could leave doors open. You have to lock anything because you didn't have thieves in our neighborhoods. And hear me, somebody, we we now have degenerated our communities and we don't even call them neighborhoods anymore. We call them the hood. I believe they were better when they were neighborhoods than when we downgraded them to the hood there was respectability in the neighborhood what you're saying pastor listen uh, if you were talking to somebody that was older to you you said yes sir yes. no ma'am yes. you hear me listen if a woman was coming in the door and you were a brother you held the door open until she entered the door You had respect for your elders. You didn't talk to your elders like they were your age. What has the world or what has the black community degenerated to when young folk think they're the same age or the same level as their seniors? No sense of respectability. We can just talk to them any old kind of way. the black community that I came from you respected women you didn't talk as my grandmother said all underneath somebody's clothes do you hear what I'm saying sisters do you do you hear what I'm saying nobody called you by the name of some female dog Now, women are calling each other all kinds of hope, not in the neighborhood I grew up in. There was a sense of respectability for one another. And hear me, there was a sense of respectability for authority. Somebody was in position of authority, you respected them. And now it seems like our community has so little or little to no respect for authority at all. In the black community I grew up in, hear me somebody, black folk went to church. On Sunday morning, they didn't go golfing. On Sunday morning, they didn't stay home, wash the car, cut the grass. Listen, you could do that on Saturday, but there was something special about Sunday. Black folk got ready on Saturday. For Sunday, I wish I had somebody that could remember way back when what they used to do in the black community. You got ready on Saturday. What you mean? Listen, if you didn't go to the beauty shop, you went into somebody's kitchen and they took out a straightening comb and started to get those naps out of your head. And hear me, somebody, anybody know about bending over so they could get in your kitchen? Come on somebody you didn't go to the beauty shop you went to grandma's shop or granddaddy's shop granddaddy would cut your hair or daddy would cut your hair you got ready for Sunday on Saturday what do you mean we laid our clothes out on Saturday we shined our shoes on Saturday and get up, say, "Well, do I feel like going to church?" No. On Saturday, we were getting ready for Sunday. Oh, I know I'm right today. What has happened in the black community? Listen, you even cooked on Saturday. You might warm it up on Sunday, but you wasn't cooking the full meal on Sunday. Saturday was a production to get ready for Sunday and cooking was done on Sunday and listen there wasn't any frozen dinners yeah. come on somebody everything they made they made it from scratch are you with me listen if they made cakes and pies it was from scratch that's the kind of community Amen. that I came from Listen, in, in at Eight Ten Walnut Road in Massillon, Ohio, we, we ironed our clothes for Sunday on Saturday. You better not look at the iron and the ironing board on Sunday morning. Because hear me, in the black community, there was something sacred. There was something holy. There was something special about Sunday. Sunday was the Lord's day and Sunday was when we put on our Sunday go to meeting clothes and we showed up to worship God because God was worthy of all of our praise what what has happened in the black community hear me somebody we need to get back to putting God first We've allowed God to take such a distant second or third or fourth place in our life. And we're wondering why things are so jacked up and messed up. We gotta put God back where God belongs. We gotta do something about it. Are you with me, Union Wesley? Yes. The text says that in chapter one, it says that Nehemiah asks. Hanani, one of his brothers from Judah, how things going back in Jerusalem or my hometown? Nehemiah was expecting to hear some good news, but instead he gets some bad news. Anybody know anything about expecting good news only to be the recipient or the benefactor of bad news. I mean you you hoped it wasn't cancer but it was. You hoped you wouldn't get a pink slip but you did. You hoped that it wasn't your child caught up in the mess but it was. You hoped that you would get the loan but you didn't you hope to be hired but you didn't get the job our lives are filled with moments when we did not get good news but our life is filled with moments when we got some bad news is what we got and hear me if you have not been in the place where you expect good news and you got bad news, you ought to thank the Lord and say thank you Jesus because I'm telling you, if you live and don't die soon, you will have some moments in your life where you expect one thing but you get another. You expect good news but you get bad news. All of us have to sit in the seat of expecting the good only to get the bad. The Bible says Nehemiah says that what he heard has made him sad. And he's so sad by what he heard, by what's going on in Jerusalem, that the Bible declares that Nehemiah, he wept. He cried just like Jeremiah cried. Just like Paul cried When he said he served the Lord with many tears. Just like Jesus going to the tomb of Lazarus, the Bible declares he wept. And hear me somebody, when when you care about something, and when you care about somebody, and you don't get good news, but you get bad news. It'll force a tear to come streaming down your face. Is there a witness in the house? It wasn't you, but it was somebody that you loved. And because you love them, when they go through, you go through too. <laughs> he wept. There are some things that we care so deeply about. That when we get a bad, when we report or bad news... It makes us weep. We ought to never take joy in somebody else's misery. We ought to never be happy when somebody else fails. We ought to never take delight in somebody else's failure. We ought to never laugh when somebody else is crying. Nehemiah does not laugh about what he heard. He cried about what he heard. He prayed. To God about the matter. The text says when he heard about the condition and the afflictions in Judah. The conditions and the affliction that was in the city of Jerusalem. He wept and he fasted. And he prayed. Jesus would say in the New Testament there are some things that you got to fast and pray about. Listen, if, if something's going to turn around, you got to turn down your plate. you got to give something up in order for the Lord to move in the way that you need God to move. Some things come about by fasting and praying. Are you with me, somebody? It's, 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 it's a sad situation if you can't ever turn down a plate. It's a sad situation if you and I could never give anything up and never sacrifice anything. It's a sad thing if you and I could be so weak that we can't sacrifice and can't give anything up so that the Lord might move because only the Lord can move. Are you listening to me, Union Wesley? There are several things that Nehemiah could have said about the bad news that he had received He could have said several things about the affliction and the condition of his brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. He could have said, That's bad. I'm so sorry to hear that. He could have said, Well, thank you for the information and God bless you. You know, he could have used my my favorite pious platitude. That a whole lot of folk in the church use. I'll pray for you. (laughs) I'll put you on my prayer list. Oh my God. I'll pray for you. I'll put you on my prayer list. I wonder sometimes if we just use this nice platitude. Just to get rid of them to get them out of our face because hear me it's a sad thing if I say I'll pray for you if I say I'll put you on my prayer list but when it's time for me to go to God in prayer I never lift your name to God in the time that I pray hear me somebody You can't believe that everybody that says I'm praying for you is praying for you. You cannot believe everybody that says I'm putting you on my prayer list. Hear me somebody. You cannot believe that everybody is praying for you. Are you listening to me? Because what I've discovered about prayer is it has to mean something to you. Before it ever will mean something to God. Hear me. If you want it to mean something to God. It first ought to mean something to you. What what do you mean? It ought to mean something that you get down on your knees. You bow your head. You go to God in prayer. If it means something to you. Then it'll mean something to God. But hear me. If it don't mean nothing to you. It ain't going to mean nothing to God. So hear me. I don't know what it is. I don't know who it is. But they ought to mean something to you. Amen. If you and I want it to mean something to God. That's a good word right there. Because we just believe God just ought, he just, ought to, he just ought to give me what I, what I didn't pray for. Because he knows what I need. Yes, he does. But he wants you to submit yourself humble yourself unto the Lord and to tell God what you need that he already knows but you understand God if I could do it for myself I would but I can't so I stretch my hand to thee because there's no other help that I know gotta mean something to you the book of Nehemiah opens with prayer and the book of Nehemiah closes with prayer text says Nehemiah is sad. He's so sad that the king Artaxerxes and the queen of Persia have a party. He was called upon to serve the wine to the king and to the queen because Nehemiah is the king's cupbearer. He's so sad that the king notices his sadness and the king says to Nehemiah what's wrong with you? Why is it That you so sad. Nehemiah said the city of my fathers and their graves are in waste. And the gates to my hometown, my neighborhood, they burned them down. Nehemiah is saying that the neighborhood I came from is in bad shape. The neighborhood that I came from doesn't look like the neighborhood. That I came from and when I think about what they told me, it grieves me and it makes me weep. It hurts me to my heart when I hear about my neighborhood and the shape and the condition of my people. Union Wesley, let me help you here. There's a difference between emotions and passion. Are you listening? There's a difference between emotions and passion. Don't confuse emotions or being emotional with being passionate about something. Nehemiah wept. That's emotions or emotional. Emotions are good, but hear me. If all you got is emotions or being emotional. You ain't going to do much because you and I must have more than emotions. Hear me, we have too much emotions today and not enough passion to get some things done. Hear me somebody, emotions are temporary. Emotions are fleeting. They're here today, gone tomorrow. Emotions are short-lived emotions are like feelings so you can be happy this moment but hear me the next moment you ain't happy no more why because my situation and my circumstances have changed so my emotions have changed you and I need to stop being so schizophrenic when it comes to our emotions and we must learn how to be more consistent when it comes to our, our passions, some of us have made some bad decisions in our life because we were emotional and we followed our emotions. Are you listening to me, Union Wesley? When you bought the house, it was emotional. When you bought the car, it was emotional. When When you married him or when you married her, it was emotional. When you took the job, it was emotional. When you joined the ministry, it was emotional. But something happened to your emotions. All of a sudden, your emotions shifted and your emotions changed. And all of a sudden, you don't feel like you used to feel about this or that or him or her because my emotions have shifted and my emotions have changed. Oh, listen, I, I know I'm right. Y'all have to say man, I, I know I'm right today. Yeah, we get, we get too emotional. But hear me, passion, on the other hand, is Permanent. Passion is enduring and lasting. We want people who have passion and are not just emotional. Are you with me, Union Wesley? Passionate people are stable people. Passionate people are people that will endure. Got a question for you, Union Wesley. Are there any passionate people? in the house today is there anybody here who's passionate you will endure you will keep on keeping on until things change because you're passionate about this you ought to be passionate about your family passionate about your boo passionate about getting out of debt passionate about your career Passionate about going back to school. Passionate about starting your own business. Passionate about ministry passionate about the Lord turning your situation around passionate people are not driven by emotions but passionate people are driven by something on the inside and not their circumstances that are surrounding their situation passionate people are not selfish people But passionate people are selfless people. They want somebody else to be blessed. They want God to bless and open the windows in somebody else's life. Passionate people don't want to hog it all up for themselves. But passionate people. Want the Lord to bless them so they might turn around and be a blessing to somebody else. So I pause to ask the question, are there any passionate people in the house today? You want God to bless you so that you can turn around and bless somebody else. You want to prosper somebody else. You want somebody else to succeed. So you want God to bless you. So that you might turn around and be a blessing to somebody else. Too many people in the church are too selfish. It's all about them. and ain't got nothing to do with anybody else. Nehemiah shows emotions, but he shows his passion. He wants to be a blessing for somebody else. Nehemiah says "The King Artaxerxes, he says, hey, King, if it, if it pleases you, send me back send me back to Jerusalem that I might do something to make that bad situation I want to make it a better situation Nehemiah did not say to king Artaxerxes send somebody else back so they can fix that jacked up situation he doesn't say that he he, he does not say uh, uh, Artaxerxes can, can, can you write a check and they can take the money from the check and do something to fix the situation back there. No, Nehemiah says, send me back. And King, if you send me back, it's going to be better than when I got there. It's, it's going to be better than what I found. Is there a witness in the house this morning who believes that God can use you and you believe that you can take a bad situation? I don't care how bad it is. Stop talking about how bad it is. Do something to make it better. Can God trust you to take a bad situation and to make it better? Listen, you ought not make it worse than when you found it. No, you and I ought to make it better than when we received it or when we started. Listen, God is looking for some people. Who can take a bad situation and make it better? Because here's the thing, preachers. Anybody can take a good situation and just coast. Anybody can take a good situation and just, uh, Rick Warren says, and ride the wave. Anybody can do that. But, But can you take a bad situation? God uses you to make it a better situation. Are you with me? I'm done. I'm I'm done. I'm I'm done. I'm, I'm finished. But do you understand? Isn't that what Jesus did? Didn't Jesus take a bad situation and turn it around into a good situation? Hear me? Jesus left a good situation he stepped into a bad situation and he made a bad situation a good situation the bible says the word became flesh and dwelt among us that's a bad situation. The Bible says Jesus left heaven and he came to earth. That's a bad situation but he turned it around into a good situation. He who knew no sin, that's a bad situation. He became sin so that you and I might have life and have life more abundantly. Jesus took a mess and turned it in to a blessing and if Jesus can situation and make it a good situation then surely the Lord can take you and you and me and take a bad situation Make it a good situation. Don't you tell me God can't use me to take a bad situation and make it a good situation. Hear me somebody, I'm done. Make it better. I don't care where you are. Make it better. I don't care how bad it is. Make it better. Make the neighborhood better. Make the church better. Make the ministry better. Make your family better. Make. He expects us to take a bad situation and do like Jesus, turn it around.